Welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, The Eternals. But before we do that, Buddy, I want to tell the folks that I want to be doing on this podcast. Well, on this podcast, I try really hard not to make this whole podcast about Zack Snyder. Even though Chloe Zhao said that she really likes Man of Steel and thinks that it's like a superhero movie made by Terrence Malick, which... I can't disagree. I can't disagree more, Chloe. It's like a movie made by all visionary directors. No, I'm just kidding. The Eternals is the most recent Marvel movie directed by Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao, starring a bunch of people that you've seen before. The guy who played Rob Stark, Kit Harington is in here. Uh, Kumail Nanjiani is also in here. Um, but it is it is sort of on its face the story of a secret group of aliens who look like humans who were you know put on Earth to protect humanity from these big crazy monsters called the Deviants and the entire thing is awash in sunsets. There's so many sunsets in this movie. Like every like important scene is framed against the sunset. Um, it is awash in sunsets and intricate vfx about their powers because they do these like swirly things the powers aren't just lasers they're swirly lasers um and all of the you know the the interfering drama between the these different uh this different kind of pantheon of gods um it's i don't know what 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 do you what do we say where do we what do you want to start all right well first um, so we'll give our opinions pre spoilers, then we're gonna get pretty quickly into the spoilers, I imagine. So um, okay. I was about to say it's bad, but I okay. didn't know if I wanted to just go with yeah, my hey, opinions yeah. right up front. <laughs> um I agree. I did not think this was a great movie. I thought it was very very I wanted to say more half baked than anything else. Um like okay, so this is what I want wanna know. Do you think it's better or worse than Black Widow? Oh my god. It's got to be worse. See, right? I think it's better than Black Widow, but I think I might be falling into your kind of like, I admire the ambitions. Um, okay, you know what? Actually, that I, I think you're right. I think it is better than Black Widow. It probably it bothers me more than Black Widow is really what I'm describing in the way that you know. So something I've I've described in the past, right, is that some people say that Michael Bay is the worst filmmaker or whatever, right? Like the Transformers movies, the worst movies. And I don't think that that's true just because they're at least evocative of, of emotion, right? They get you to feel something, even if it is, you know, negative, right? I think the worst movies are completely forgettable movies, movies that, you know, somebody would mention and just be like, what? The, the, the movie with like, some actor like Jason Statham, Vin Diesel, like, I don't even remember this, right? Like, I think that's the worst kind of a movie. Black Widow is a forgettable movie. The Eternals is like Transformers. It's like a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting way to put it. I so for for my part, like I did not like while I was watching this movie, I did not think, oh, this fucking cape shit again, which is what I thought. This is this is that was how I, I definitely felt about Black Widow. Um, I think it's a tougher call with Shang Chi. Um, just yeah, Shang Chi. Well, I hmm. God, I you know now I'm actually sort of thinking that the Eternals is the best of these. The first is the Eternals like executes real character arcs and does the kind of it has it has themes, um, it has real personality. But the stuff that bothers me is tonal stuff, it's pacing stuff. Um, There's some weird some missteps. Pretty, 
Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's some like some pretty kind of like like plot level problems and just like how the the plot itself kind of unfolds or whatever. Shang-Chi has more significant problems, I would say, right? Like the fact that Shang-Chi himself doesn't have a character arc, I think that's a massive problem, right? And you know, I basically pinned that entire movie feeling on that point. Um but I don't know if that is a more serious problem than the sum of their parts problems of all these little issues that are all over Eternals that bother me. Yeah. I maybe think I think Shang-Chi is better. Yeah, I think I might be with you on that. Um, Probably mostly just because the action is better. Um, I did like some of the, the action in this, but uh, I felt like it wore out its welcome pretty quickly. And that's like... You know, I can get I can get past a lot of stuff. You know, like I don't think Infinity War is a very good movie, but I think it it's a movie that I could watch pretty effortlessly just because the action is good. The Eternals is not a movie that I think the action is good enough that I could just kind of like yeah effortlessly uh, fall into it on a Saturday afternoon kind of thing. At, at least Shang Chi had some like nice wuxia in it, whereas like this yeah. movie this movie felt very like pre pre release. There was a bunch of like there was like some like the the, the haters on Twitter called like the Marvel Defense Force, but they like there's like a clip from the movie of like Angelina Jolie doing a spinny thing with her spear, being like, "See, she looks badass." And everybody's and like I, everybody everybody including myself that I saw was like, "No, that looks pretty bad, right?" Like, <laughs> that looks pretty bad. I mean, there's some stuff that that works really well in here. I think all the stuff with Icarus right flying around. I mean, this is all that's all like I was just like you know that looks like it was straight up stolen from Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was, right? But I think that that's true, right? I think Man of Steel captures that essence of sort of like the aerial sort of flybys. And, and I think that this is bigger than just the Eternals and Man of Steel, even though like, you know, like I said, like Chloe Zhao name dropped Zack Snyder and said mm. that she really likes Man of Steel. Um, because I think that that is sort of an action blueprint that's been adopted in a bunch of places. It's showed up in Shazam and Aquaman. It's shown up in... Um, Oh, God. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, right? Like, I just think that the way that we shoot flying superhero fights has shifted on the fulcrum of Man of Steel, right? Um, but I, I, it's more the low-to-the-ground stuff. Um, there's just, like, some sort of, like, mid-level dissonance going on with just, like, you know, Gilgamesh is going around punching the same guy over and over, and he's not really doing anything interesting. There, there's It always seems like... Um, there's a stop-start nature to all of the fighting where the the thing looks menacing and then he gets shot by, like, the good guys or, like, punched by the good guys. And it's just, like, it's, like, that interaction over and over again rather than anything kind of, like, more dynamic um, or, like, escalating in a way, um, you know, in the way that, like, Shang-Chi, the bus fight escalates because the bus is getting ripped apart by Razor Fist the entire time, right? So there's kind of this, like, mounting, like, this ramping sort of tension. I definitely didn't get any of that with Eternals, except, actually, that's not true. At the very, very end, there is, like, this brief section where all of the Eternals are fighting one another to keep this out of the, the, the you know, the spoiler section. And, um, and that part is really great. That part is really uh, uh, actually probably – it's like that stuff and the Icarus stuff that I think is truly good, and everything else is basically awful. Yep, I think I might agree with that. And, and to, to the Icarus point, right, like when I say it was stolen from Man of Steel, I wasn't talking about the flying stuff, which I, I do agree with you, here. I'm talking about the eye laser stuff. Like there was a scene oh, sure. that I thought was like – that I looked at it, I was like, that might have – like I thought it might have been like – 
shot for shot is probably too too aggressive, but like it looked like it was straight out of like it looked like it was the sod moment for a second, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that's true. I also think that that's something that um, that has cropped up recently because it's also it's also in the boys. You know, there's something in the in Man of Steel the way that the like his whole eye gets brought into the heat vision it doesn't it's not just a laser that pops out of his eyes but like there you can see like the veins and the light is echoing is kind of coming out from under his skin that's also in icarus that's also in the boys that's in a couple of other places so i also think you know that's one of those fulcrum you know fulcrum things um i guess yeah um all right well let's let's put up a big old spoiler wording then we okay both yeah not, ha- big not, not happy wording. with this uh movie or not not yeah. impressed by this movie but i uh, mean my recommendation is skip it to be honest um i think if you're incredibly inclined to keep up to date on all of the minutia of the marvel cinematic universe you are well within your rights to go see this one but it seems pretty perfunctory all things considered i'm sure it will pop in and be more important as time goes on maybe and the like the events here will be referenced in some more meaningful way but honestly you know this is not like a main this is not like captain america civil war right in captain america civil war like that is a necessary movie to view to understand the marvel cinematic universe right um this does not feel like that this feels like dr strange or ant-man or um any of like the most of the introductory movies honestly kind of fall into fall into this category right there's just like not a lot in here that i feel like is going to um uh come back in a very major way i could be wrong about that there's definitely some stuff I'm sure we'll talk about in the spoiler section, but you know, if you are I, I worried you that get... you're not gonna get the the all of the the continuity, I'm pretty sure you'll just be fine. Yeah, I, I think you can watch like the two post credit scenes online, and you'll probably <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, all right, yeah. So let's launch into it, and let's maybe start with start with the thing that Lou brings up in the in the in the chat, which is there is a sex scene in this movie. There is a sex scene in this movie. The Eternals very have weird. sex. <laughs> they bone. Yeah. Um, oh. I mean, I mean, I guess we we know that Tony Stark bangs because like one it's implied a lot about his character and two he has a kid um yep uh so does ant-man yeah so confirm confirmed though with sexes are tony to honest, stark i actually kind of like well Ant-Man. i was sort of with the movie this was right in the beginning the sex scene happens right in the beginning yeah. of the flashback and i was sort of on board with what was going on because this is honestly a, a pitch that i'm down for right the pitch is basically you know the marvel version of the justice league not like not like I mean, it's a little bit one-to-one in the sense that there are some characters where, like, Icarus is pretty clearly Superman. Thena ha- is, like, close what? to Wonder Woman, Woman, right? Like, you you can kind of see that there are some characters. Right, you know, um, the uh, – God, what's his name? Like, Kino or something? What the fuck is the – Kumail's character? Uh, I don't know. Why is Kumail's character? I, I can't fucking remember. Yeah, but he has, like, the, the sort of Flash's personality where he's um, he's kind of, like, the comic relief. There is a character with super speed, right, who does, like, the Flash stuff. But I also just mean, like, on a thematic level, right? Like, the thing that animates the Justice League is the idea of, like – a modern sort of pantheon of gods, right? This is what Grant Morrison famously said in the 90s where he said, where he, like, reinvented the Justice League around the Core 7, where he said, you know, that the Justice League are not really... Like, they are not humans telling human stories. They are gods telling myths, essentially, right? And I think the Eternals is, like, the Marvel version 
of that, right? They created this pantheon of gods, and now we're we're seeing them like bicker and whatever. And this is the kind of shit that I'm very down for, right? Like this is exactly what animates, you know, th- like this is also something that shows up in Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman. And the Snyder Cut of the Justice League, right? Like this, this level of um, just sort of gods walking on Earth, and what does that mean, and how do people kind of deal with it? And there's a lot of thematic stuff going on, even right from the very beginning, right? Where they're talking about what is their duty to, you know, serve or protect, or how do they interact with community, how do they, or humanity, how do they protect humanity? All of those questions are up for doubt, and I'm all on board with all of this. In the middle of it, there's this one fucking, there's this one fucking sex scene, which I also think has a shot-for-shot thing of Man of Steel, by the way, where you see Icarus is, like, ripped back, and she, like, grips it, because that's something that happens in Batman vs. Superman, and I was just like... This is kind of hilarious, but okay. But over time, just the movie lost me for a variety of reasons. Um, yeah, mostly I'm, the flashbacks interrupted the drama at every turn, and n- it just like it not was only like, that, but the first one, the first one doesn't tell you that it's happening until like yeah, and thirty just, seconds. They, I was just like, what? Yeah, are you kidding? <laughs> like this is, I mean, and you know. <sighs> I don't know. There are some there are some places where I don't think that that matters that much. You know, Man of Steel and Batman Begins both have this structure of unannounced flashbacks, right? Where you just see Clark or Bruce as a kid, and you on the audience just have to get it, right? You just understand. Oh, I'm seeing a flashback. You'll even see Christian Bale, and you'll have to intuit. Oh, I'm seeing a flashback. And the movie does the the work to let you understand where in the narrative that this is, you know, like that this is playing out, right? Eternals does not do that work. It cuts to the flashback and then has five minutes of a fight scene. And after the fight scene is over, it's like Babylon. (laughs) And part of this is not, is not helped by the fact that they are Eternals. Right. And so like they all appear the same age at all times. Right. So it's not like you even get like little hints of hints of it or whatever. Right. You just get the, uh, you know, they're apparently in Babylon, right? Like, and like yep. you pick up on it, but it's very jarring the first time. The the first time, especially after that, it's like the you know the the tenor set. Um, and even moving back a half step from there, uh, from that moment, just kind of like to, to go back to the to Cersei and Icarus's relationship. Um, I just found that the, the very opening scene where like they're looking out over the the earth, and she's like, "It's beautiful," and he's like, "I'm Icarus," and that's like the first line. Right? <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, it's like okay, right? Like I, I think, I think a lot of this movie suffers from not having enough time to play out, mm-hmm. which is saying something. Given that it was like what two hours and forty fucking it minutes was long, two and a half hours. I went so full disclosure. I went to go see Dune with some friends. Um, the Dune showing was at six fifteen, so of course we got out of the theater at like nine, right? And then we drove back to our house, which is like half hour away. And I went to the ten thirty showing of Eternals, which uh, ended at one thirty in the morning. And I was just like, "Jesus fucking Christ, this sucks!" <laughs> like, no, I, I like I I was so I I went I went to like a noon thirty or twelve thirty showing of mm-hmm. of Eternals. I was like, I don't want to waste my whole day on this, right? And I don't want to spend more money on like the IMAX or not the IMAX the the uh, 
the like the Regal premiere. They've got like a nice nice theater right where I am. Yeah, sure. they're, they're they're all nice, but like this one, this one's like the special one with a nice sound system or whatever. I was like, I don't want to spend money on that. And I like sit, as I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, so how long am I in this for? It's like two hours and forty minutes, and then I don't know about the theater you go to, but there's at least like twenty minutes of fucking. Uh, Oh my god. Tra- Can we just talk for a second about how trailers have taken over movies? I showed uh, so a couple weeks ago we did a podcast on something. It wasn't Dune, it was something else where I had forgot about I forgotten about it until the literal last second. It was 10:30 at night on Sunday and I was like, "Holy fuck, I have to see this before we do the podcast tomorrow." And I found a 10:45 showing like 15 miles away and I was like, "Well, I might miss the first bit of it or whatever." And I'm, like, racing across Los Angeles at 11 o'clock at night. Um, and I pull in, and it's, like, 11.15 when I, when I sit down, and the trailers have just finished. And I was like, holy fucking shit. 30 minutes of trailers predating, like, you know, before this movie starts. That is insane. Yeah. No, I mean, if we, if we wanted to do a little bit of trailer talk, um, I was actually kind of... Um, confused because they played the latest Sing 2 trailer in front of it because that trailer's been playing in front of fucking everything. But this latest one, like, looks like it spoils everything in the movie, right? It's like all, like, the end scenes of the movie. It's like a yeah, super well, Yeah, 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 because the first trailer for Sing is like, oh, are we going to get the lion to come back? Is this right for Sing 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the lion. Yeah, came. and then in the second trailer, you watch the lion walk onto the big stage. Yeah, I mean, and so, like, I think this, if, if I remember, if I if I have my trailer order right, right, like, like at least, like, the, the first or, like, the second one, like, the early one, it's, like, it's, like, hinted at, but it's, like, you know, it's not quite there. Whereas this this latest one is literally, like, the, the porcupine singing on the stage while, like, the, like, it's, like, literally, like, the, like the, the, the moment in the movie, right? It's, like, she's singing, and then, like, the lion decides to do the thing, right? It's, like, how is, how, like... I guess it doesn't matter anymore. I guess we all knew how it was going to happen anyway. I don't know. I mean, I learned a lot about Clifford the Big Red Dog. Did you know that the reason Clifford is so big is because his size is dictated by the amount of love that, like, his owner has for him? I didn't know that lore about Cl- I just thought he was a big-ass dog, dude. Like, yeah, nobody mean, ever explained and, and, the origins of Clifford to me. And that's why if your dog is small, it's because you don't love them enough. Yeah, it's because you don't <laughs> Yeah, not to mention that Clifford the Big Red Dog seems to have, like, the same plot points as, like, the fugitive. (laughs) Oh, anyway, that's true. Sorry, this movie is fucking long. (laughs) Because it's got 30 minutes of trailers and then two and a half hours of fucking movie. And, you know, and I appreciate that the movie does take its time with certain things. There's moments in here that work only because it is not rushed, right? Yeah. One thing I will say is that the thing I kept comparing it to in my head is uh, Justice League. But, like, the the Whedon cut of Justice League, the theatrical cut of Justice League. And, um, And the theatrical cut of Justice League is obviously bad. You know, and it's bad for the same reason, you know, like, we'll talk about this more, I'm sure. But, like, it is tonally bad because you have stuff in here that is, you know, so extremely self-serious, right? These people are taking their, their drama, the situation, the world, their characters, super serious. And then every once in a while, there's just, like, a joke. And, it is, and the, you know, if you think that bathos humor is bad in, like whatever the worst examples you can think of. I mean, the classic example... 
is Thor Ragnarok where 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 a Hulk slams himself into the bridge, right? Like that's like the yeah, and it's just like yeah, and it's like it's so much worse in this just because not only is it Bathos, it is Bathos in the face of like such serious filmmaking and storytelling, right? Like you know, it it oh man, it like completely destroyed me yeah, in this movie. There's the first fight scene, which happens pretty quickly. It had a little bit of it, but I was sort of willing to forgive it because most of it came from Kid Harrington's character. It didn't come from the Eternals themselves. Um, and it's like, okay, well, you know, he's kind of a goofy guy. They have a little bit of this banter going. I guess maybe this is okay. And then it just gets so bad. And so much worse, right? As they start introducing characters and picking up these weird comic relief guys. And it's just like, man, I cannot fucking get into this movie on any level just because of that, you know, like that tonal, um, that tonal dissonance. But the one thing that this, that the, the Eternals does have over the Whedon cut of Justice League is that it does not have the clipped nature of it, right? Um, in the past, I've called this narrative arthritis where, you know, there's just not enough. There's just, like, not enough time between scenes to really kind of, like, soak them in or have it feel like there is an appropriate amount of time passing. With Justice League, you could just tell that they were at this insane clip to get, you know, to just get get through the whole thing or whatever. Eternals does take its time, which is to its credit. However, it takes its time, and it constantly interrupts the narrative with these huge flashbacks that I honestly am, like, mostly, like, what is this even trying to communicate most of the time? It's like 15 minutes of context for like one pretty simple point that I'm just sort of like, I don't really feel like this deserved that runtime and that interrupting nature, I guess. Um, I would agree, right? Like, so, yeah. Like, like I guess you kind of needed part of it to for the like, like the, um, the conquistador scene, right? Um, just kind of like that's like that like actually has some narrative weight, but I think it's a little bit too long. Um, also, this I think rolls into one of my like I think Druig is a bad character and is played by a bad actor. Like I just I I thought I thought that like that he like okay. That, but do you, do you, do you disagree? Uh, I don't have thought. Mm, he's honestly so minor. Didn't even I wasn't even thinking about it. The, I'm, there's so much in the middle that's like about him, right? Like it's about like he's got these mind control powers and he can do these things. But his delivery on every line is so fucking wooden that I couldn't. That like I I, I didn't understand like what was what was happening with okay. him. I think um, I buy that. I also think I have I do have problems with Drew on a character level, right? For instance, he seems to be the only one who's like ethically concerned about humanity, but he solves that problem by mind controlling them, which I was like that seems deeply unethical. If, you know, like like if if the if the mouthpiece of the point of view that actually we shouldn't just let humans run rampant you know, and we should we should try and stop bad things from happening to them. Answer like having the answer to that call being I'm just gonna mind control all of them seemed incredibly strange to me. Because like even if I guess I think the movie is saying that he is doing the right thing by like preventing them from killing each other, right? It's just such it's so it's so coded a trope that yeah. I couldn't help but look at it and be like, this seems deeply evil and awful. And the movie does kind of call him on it because at one point in the middle of the fight, somebody goes, this is wrong and you should stop. And he does. But it's also just like an incredibly 
rushed thing that it's like what is it, the, it doesn't it doesn't is sell the point it right. of this yeah it's, it's like is this because i think it's icarus right like is this icarus or is it maybe um cersei one of them just like tells him like you should stop right and i was like is the point of this that they are making an argument that he should stop this this behavior in the future or he should stop this behavior as a fighting tactic in the middle of the the fist fight they're having with the deviants, right? Because what happens at, immediately afterward is he releases them from their mind control and he tells them to, to run, right? Which seems as though the preceding line about you should release them is about telling them to get to safety and not using them as pawns in the fight against the deviants. Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is that morally wrong or is it tactically wrong? N not only that, but like, it's not helped by the fact that it like, frankly, I thought it was like, like, in terms of like use of a power, the like you know he doesn't have any direct combat abilities, so he like basically has a regiment of like coordinated gunfire, right? Like which, yeah. <laughs> like that's like a neat idea, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, but like you said, it's it's kind of ethically gross, and the answer is is let them go in the middle of the fight and tell them to run away, right? Like, yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's like no, you should probably hold on to them and make sure they don't get hurt and then deal with it afterwards, right? Like, like this is it's there's a there's a bunch of stuff like I think. I think part of the problem is is like the the real conflict is of course about is is Arishem supposed to be Galactus is that or like is is that like a different thing I don't know uh, Galactus is a celestial I'm pretty sure um, and so Arishem and Galactus are siblings okay. in, in a way um, Arishem I'm pretty sure is just, I, this is a side of comics I have very very little context for just okay. like fair warning i actually think in the comics if i remember correctly druig is the bad guy among the eternals most of the time um and that erishem is kind of unquestionably good um but like i said i only have very fleeting you know okay. a, a very fleeting interaction with this stuff but yeah so my understanding is that erishem and galactus are sibling uh, celestial beings uh, like ego is also uh, ego the living planet i'm pretty sure is also related to all of this there's a couple of other you know um kind of like celestials in this in this pantheon and the thing by the way about tiamat about there being a celestial in the planet earth is also kind of marvel lore um from a series called earth x uh which basically posits that there is a baby celestial it's kind of like azeroth in in like wow lore right like because there is a baby titan in the planet the planet is special because Earth has a baby celestial in it, that's the reason. That's like the ultimate reason that superheroes exist, right? Like the the celestial kind of winds the like like reality. This is why and Earth fate. has such a, a high level of superheroes? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. the thing that makes you know Peter Parker gets bit by the spider just because like that kind of stuff happens on Earth because of the celestial. It needs superheroes to okay. protect it. This sounds this this sounds like. And this, this I was gonna say this at some point too is like this movie starts to verge on the and when it, whenever a world goes on long enough it's stupid it gets stupid <laughs> right like, well so the interesting thing is killing the is killing the celestial which they do and Erishim being bad like that all of that stuff I thought was crazy I I wasn't surprised that there was a baby celestial but all of the stuff about the emergence being bad and destroying the world I don't actually know if the celestial that is in the Marvel Earth has ever been interacted with in a more complex way than that? Um, the answer might be yes. Uh, like I said, I just don't know 
the the depths of this corner of Marvel lore that well. Uh, but my understanding is just sort of always been that you know it's a baby celestial. It's sleeping for however long. It's not a threat or dangerous. It is a good thing. It is like it's really a lot like Azeroth, I guess. Is that it's just yeah. it is a good benevolent spirit inside of the world making the planet special and that needs protecting by you know superheroes essentially um so you know yeah i I guess the all of i i like the drama in in an abstract way that i don't like it in a particular way um with like with erishim and the way it all plays out um like so for instance i think that icarus is I really like Icarus, and I was on board with most of it, but I don't like that he kills Ajax. I think that that is gross, and that kind of broke his character for me on, like, a suspension of disbelief level. Because what what Icarus represents is that kind of, like, the paragon, you know, sort of self-righteous mindset, right? That he believes so fervently in this cause um that he is willing to that and he is just like He's unwilling to be compromising yeah, yeah yeah and this is and this by the way is the is a very common way to make captain america or superman a bad guy right like superman in the injustice universe is the exact same version of this it is just because in the injustice universe superman has suf- suffered such a tragedy that his personal set of morals has warped to the point where he is okay murdering people and becoming a tyrant right you know like when you have a person of that much conviction the d- the danger there is that they are uncompromising and so i think that that the fundamentals of that when it comes to icarus is fine but i just i really don't see like the murder was so off it was it was so far afield of that that no. i just found it not only that, but Almost like, un- like unbelievable. I, I agree with you, and I, I think part of that too is that like the way I think that you typically play that type of thing is like he doesn't like like he doesn't hi- like you don't have the character hide it, right? Like you have the mm-hmm. character be like, I had to kill Ajax because she went against the purpose, right? Like, yeah. um, and you don't have him like apparently execute a long running. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I legitimately thought it was just good on its face. I was on board with it the moment, like when they were having the argument, and you could tell that there were some lines. And Icarus was like, "We should, be- you know, we need to do our duty for Erishim." I was on board with that. I was like, "Oh shit, maybe this is the conflict. Maybe they're gonna have to fight Icarus. Maybe they're gonna have to like convince him to get back on side or something like that." And then the flashback happens, and I was like, "Wow, that is so much further than." They had to go because, like, it is a defensible argument that Icarus can make to say, "No, we're above this. Erishim is whatever. I don't believe whatever." You can even have it that you know, it, you know, maybe there is something a little bit shady in there where, like, Icarus discovers Ajax first or something. Like, I don't know. I I, I don't want to rewrite this whole movie. Yeah. I just don't think that it had to go as far as it did, and it definitely didn't have to go to the point where you fucking commit suicide. <laughs> By flying into the sun, right? By flying into the sun. Mm, Icarus flies too close to the sun, Mango. Do you get it? (laughs) Yeah, right? Like, also a very weird thing considering that, like, they appear to be normally injurable otherwise, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, oh, I guess he can fly into space to make this poetic point. I don't know. I feel like there's a bunch, like, like, the whole end of this movie is kind of a mess, right? Like, Kumail Nujani's character kind of, like, also is like, I don't want to do this. He disappears. We don't see him. (laughs) Like even the even even the traitors turn around and join in the final joining, except for Kumail Nanjani, who appears again, 
like at the very end of the movie, just be like, yeah, we all did our thing. We all followed our heart. Yeah. Right. Like, but apparently- yeah, I mean, I, I like the plot point of they have to fight, you know, like Icarus and Sprite. I right. think that that's cool and that's neat and that's interesting. But I just really wish it was um, a lower, a lower stakes version of that. I think that you just you get there with he is dogmatic and he has a couple of guys on his side and part of this leadership, you know, and he has just the inherent nature of the Superman archetype being something that's aspirational where of course, you know, like there's the part where Kumail's character says I'd follow you anywhere or whatever, right? Like he is naturally deferential to Icarus's leadership, but Icarus isn't the one that was chosen by Ajax. You clearly have the seeds of a real conflict here that are just fine on their own. And you can see a version of it that almost plays out a little bit like civil war, right? Where it's like two sides who have, a, you know, like a real disagreement with each other, but then Icarus has to realize that actually Cersei is, you know, Ajax, you know, whatever, and he has to sort of get over himself a little bit and and kind of evolve in his in his thinking or whatever. I think that would be perfectly natural, perfectly reasonable. They all join together in the uni mind. Boom, there's your climax, right? Just like the part, I, it just seems so insanely brutal. And it also seemed like Marvel was kind of, you know, I talk about the Marvel plot twist a lot, right? that one of the magical things that they do in their movies is they include these plot twists that make the, you know, that kind of make the core premise of, that flip the core premise of the movie on their head, right? So, for instance, in Civil War, it's that uh, the Winter Soldier killed Tony's parents while he was, while he was you know, mind-controlled or whatever. Oh, excuse me. Um, you know, and, and in other movies, it's been stuff similar, but, like, you know, like, more more kind of minor than all of that right um so for instance in loki or not in loki in thor 2 it's like loki is it's like loki dying but not dying right or whatever right just like these little things that are kept secret from the audience and then played out um for for kind of like a big cool reveal kind of in the middle in the back half of the second act it's very common almost all the marvel movies have something along these you know something along these lines um this is their version of that and it's just unnecessary and it kind of ruins i think it is the seed that ruins the back half of the of the movie it all kind of spirals out from there yeah i mean it also like it kind of doesn't like come together right either right like it's like you know like the, the way like again like also to not rewrite the entire movie but like like part of part of what you expect say icarus's character arc to be is you know him to recognize that Ajax chose Cersei because she's the wise, you know, she's wiser, and he needs to come to accept that even though he is the most powerful, he is not the one that's fit to lead in this case. Um, but like the reveal that he kills her is like, of course, Ajax chose Cersei because Icarus killed her, right? Like, yeah. you know, like that's like that's not like a you know like a, a point that, like, and then like you know, Kumail's objection makes sense but like i was expecting him to come in at some point and like i was expecting him to do the thing that druid does in like you know knocking out sprays be like you know like you know like you know i you know i disagree with you but like we can't you know like or at least like have him be present for the fucking fight right like yeah or at least have him switch you know like maybe you have a thing where it is icarus and icarus convinces four of the eight to come on side right maybe he gets sprite he gets druid and he gets you know whatever fastos or whatever right but over the course of the fight he starts bleeding his support right you know 
and and eventually it gets to the point where it is seven on one. Everyone has turned on him, and it is now everyone fights Superman, and and you beat him, you beat him up, you you lock him down with Festus's cool sh- rings or whatever, and that's the moment when he finally kind of accepts. Okay, you're right. I, you know, I'm, my my pride got the better of me or whatever, and. I see now that Ajax saw that Cersei was the most connected to humanity, and so she wanted us to save humanity, whatever. Okay, cool. Right? Now he's on side. You have them all united. Ba-boom. Unimind. World saved. Right? I just think that, um, I don't know. Maybe they could only get this guy for one movie. <laughs> yeah. I will say that I, I, one thing I do appreciate quite a lot about Eternals is that it does not pull its punches. Uh, a bunch of people die in this movie, right? Ajax, obviously, I don't, I don't think quite counts, but Gilgamesh dying, I was like, oh, fuck, dude, they legit killed this guy. That's kind of new. Marvel typically doesn't do that, right? Um, and also, at the end, Icarus dies, so that's nice. I, I, will give, I will give some credit where it's due that, you know, we are not dealing with normal kid's glove Oh, Brody gets shot out of the fucking sky, but he just walks or while he walks it off, right? Like, you know. I, I, I do like that as a pull quote. Icarus dies. That's nice. <laughs> um, I actually don't I, – I don't even want Icarus to die. I want Icarus to stick around because I think he's interesting. I think he's probably the most comprehensive – he's one of the best characters I think Marvel has sort of um, – just just introduced in any of these like bigger you know like bigger movies um like i i think he's probably a more interesting character than anybody in shang chi anybody in in black widow right anybody in I don't, marvel I don't, right like he's got a lot going on i don't think he's more more interesting than than dad shang chi but um dad shang chi's dead mm. so um yeah, they kill okay, all the maybe, they, they, yeah. they kill the interesting characters, right? Um, they kill speak, the interesting characters, yeah. Speaking of which, like I thought the fucking deviant, like Prime Deviant or whatever his name was, was like such a wasted fucking opportunity. It's like I also uh, the, uh, <laughs> it's like so quick. It's like you know, ah, I've been you know, Mike. People have been tortured by you forever, and so then he walks out of the ocean and dies five minutes later, right? Like what the fuck? What like what what like what what? The yeah, f- I mean, I thought the whole thing with Angelina Jolie's character was superfluous and kind of perfunctory i did not think any of that needed to be in the film and you could have just had this one character who just was uh like a competent individual i don't know there's there's something about like the 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 band of misfits character like archetype right where you know everybody has their damage or whatever and i guess it's cool that your crazy warrior also has this like PTSD maybe is what it is that is like preventing her from getting in the fight, right? But at a certain point, you just can't support a character arc for everybody. And some characters are just supporting characters who are the way they are and they are static throughout the movie. And they're mostly there just to have a little bit of personality and contrast on the team, right? I actually think the the speedster is a good example of this who doesn't show up for half the movie, right? But I think she's great. You know, she's there. She fights, you know, she fights Icarus. She does the best job fighting Icarus until... Like Fastos uses his auto win button, basically, right? I I just wish that the the stuff with Thena and Gilgamesh or whatever, like you can still have Gilgamesh die, you can still have them in a relationship or whatever, but just like this whole thing with her like eyes going white and I don't know, I hated all that. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was an interesting thing to do. I just thought it wasn't supported by the movie, right? Like, like maybe this would have been better if 
you know, to, to bring up another Dune comparison, if like like that thing, right? Like like the Deviant and and Athena's damage were like movie one, and then Kid was movie, two, you know, like Celestial. Or Kid the Deviant mo- rolls over into a movie two in like the yeah. post credits or whatever. I also like the Deviant, and I also think that he is cool. And I wish that you know he stuck around. It stuck around. I don't even know if it has a. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I was sort of hoping that it would get some more. I, I, oh, it's like the Amazo archetype. I love that character archetype, like the guy who can steal other people's powers. Um, and I just sort of wish that it was. Uh, I just sort of, I just sort of wish that it was more important and not sort of this side, this side characters thing. Yeah, they go, uh, they go and they fight in a dark cave by themselves while all of the rest of the important drama is unfolding. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I don't know. It, it, like, it's, it, it's, it's because they're like, they're like the, um, the, like the, the, the fake out villain, right? Like, they're not the real villain, right? But like, yeah. Uh, but they also tried to make them a real villain with this, like, power steely thing. Um, yeah. It's like if the Mandarin in Iron Man 3 had actually been the Mandarin, but also the other guy was also the man. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're going to do the fake out villain, just get rid of him really quickly. That's what happens in all these other ones. Um, you know, you just kind of shuffle the fake out villain off screen while you deal with the real guy. And they can get a cameo uh, in a later movie. Clear, yeah, right? But they do, and they do the same thing kind of twice also, which I didn't like. I think it's cool if the, the Eternals have to fight Athena when she's in this crazy blood rage thing that she's got going on that's sweet it's a little less sweet when they're also doing that with icarus right like if you're gonna have the team fights one another as a plot point do it once not twice i kind of feel yeah i mean i think part of this too is that like the like icarus's betrayal is like held off way too long Mm. in, in the movie so like you can't you can't because it's there you need the stakes of the deviant fight um, and ideally, maybe you, like, move that back a little bit. Uh, again, not rewriting the movie. I'll, I'll stop doing it. But, like, I don't know. I also thought that, like, you know, Sprite, Sprite betraying the team because she's she wants to fuck Icarus but is, like, a child was, like, a weird plot point. Like, a very fucking weird plot point. That is a weird plot point, but it's also, I'm if I remember correctly, accurate to the comics. I think that that is a thing in the comics with the character Sprite. Yeah, that, that, Hank like, Pym beats his wife thing. in the comics too. You don't need to bring it back, right? Like, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's that's one of those things where it's just like they were trying to be true to whatever. I, I thought that she was double-crossing, right? Like, you know, you have this illusionist or whatever, right. and I was just like, oh, she's going to do this thing. She's going to go off with Icarus. Icarus is going to be doing whatever. She's going to fuck with him, right? Because she's actually still on Cersei's side, and she's, she's duping right she's duping icarus because he would you know effortlessly believe her or whatever nope nope that's just dead straight she actually just wants to fuck icarus and is willing to betray her best friend of the last however many years so she to do it like <laughs> yeah right and this is it's such like a weird scene too right because like you know the like camille like ferrets it out of her which is like you know okay like i actually thought that peter pan point was pretty good um, I thought it was really undercut by like the bathos part, right? Like to bring it back to that, right? You know, like you know, like, like I liked, I liked, you know, Valet Man. I thought he was a, like an okay sidekick. I hated, uh, okay. I hated him so much. He he was like every. He was when I started hating the movie. His introduction and I and as 
every 10 seconds it was just like some inane comment every fight scene you know kumail has his moment where he shoots the guy and then he's like did you get that on camera oh, i just want to okay mm-hmm. I, hated I, I, that. I hated it so much i think that's fair i think him i think like as a character like i guess half of his character is like getting shots but like you know like as like the representative of humanity on the team right i thought he was not terrible okay. but to bring it back to the point right okay, like yeah. like the like Icarus runs away. Sprite follows him. And, like, Camille's like, yeah, it's because she wants to fuck him. Also, I want to leave for much more noble reasons. Bye. Right? Like, it's like... And, and like, that... Like, oh, I also think that Camille... Like, Camille's, like, about face, like... It's a little too quick. Right? Like, because, like, he's, like... Like, he's, like... Like, you know, pointing... Like, finger-gunning down Icarus. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, also, but I actually agree with him. So, I'm... But I'm not going to fight you. So, I'm, like... I don't know. Isaac Kumail's character is way too way off base. Way off base in this. It's like, I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I agree with that. I feel like he was. Uh, um, I don't know. He was. It he was, was also, very weird that he wasn't there in the end. It was awful that he was so. Uh, that all all this shit he did seemed to just be for the jokes. And yeah. the and the jokes were bad is the other part of it. Like sometimes the bathos will work for me just because I find the jokes legitimately funny um, or in character, right? So for instance, I, this is my this is my defense of them in the Last Jedi, where they do feel they do feel like part of the world, and it is less like you know um, it is re- less like breaking it out of the the I don't know I, I don't know how to describe it. It just feels like there are certain jokes that are undercutting the drama but they are still part of the world and there are jokes that are undercutting the drama and also breaking you out of the world itself right it just feels like no one would say this except in a fucking marvel movie where they constantly make stupid jokes like this right that's that that was kind of my thing with um you know his character and the and the valet yeah i I think i'll just kind of like on a superhero composition point right like it like like what was it like band of five is like the typical thing or whatever yep. and like and I don't I don't know if I've got the number but like I think the part of the problem is is like you've got Punch Man and Shoot Guy and then Icarus who is better than both of them and also can fly right like yep. like it's just like and then like also yeah I mean the five man band is is really just mm, it's so good right the five man band is you know you have the leader. You have the Lancer, right? Like Luke Skywalker, Han Solo. No. You have the big guy, Chewie. You have the girl, Princess Leia. Yeah, there was a support have, um, ge- who's generally the girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have um, the smart guy, uh, the nerd, right. who is like, I guess C-3PO if I'm going by Star Wars. Maybe Star Wars isn't a great example of the five-man yeah, band. But typically that's the five-man well, band. Well, right? I, I, think, I, think, I think the smart guy is both C-3PO and R2-D2, right? Like they're, they're like, they're a pair. Like they are one okay. character yeah, essentially, yeah, 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 yeah. even mm-hmm. though they're two. Um, and then you have also like right like you obviously have sort of like these perfunctory um, secondary characters right you know like the mentor to the leader Obi Wan right you know like other character archetypes exist and kind of orbit around the five man band but the reason the five man band is so good is because that just creates like strong dynamics right you have the leader and the rival who are foils and constantly bouncing off of each other um, you know most of the time the lancer is everyone's favorite character even if he is 
the less interesting on a, on a like like I, you know something I've talked about before is like the ruining of Jack Sparrow by making him the main character of the Pirates franchise, right? The reason that you have a character like Will Turner, who's the Orlando Bloom character in the Pirates movies, is because he can just take the sort of expected narrative weight of having a character arc and being a good guy, you know, like generally having some kind of upstanding motives or whatever. And the Lancer is the guy who gets to do the cool shit, right? Because he's not weighed down by that baggage, right? But then as soon as you make him the main character, now all of a sudden he does have to carry a character arc, right? He does have to have a romantic love interest, right? He has to kind of fulfill some of these expected things in order to give the story its structure and the whole thing kind of falls apart. I think the opposite is kind of happening in The Eternals where the store the the team is so big that there's just kind of too much going on at any at any one time and no one is um you know like the team itself doesn't really coalesce and also the art the 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 relationships are too complex to really kind of like adequately follow right because you have Kumail's relationship with Icarus, you have Icarus's relationship with Ajax, who's fucking dead, who's in the back, you know what I mean? You have Icarus's relationship with Cersei, which is also important, and then Cersei has a relationship with all of these individual people, right? And I just think keeping track of that whole web is very complicated and tough to get right. Yeah, I mean, well, well so part part of it is that, like, you know, like the, like the, like the, the hero, like the, the main, the leader in the five-man band generally has a power arc, right? Like, like mm-hmm. Luke goes from being, like, a farm boy to a Jedi, right? Whereas the, the Lancer typically has a, a uh, like a, what I'm going to call a moral arc, right? He goes from being, like, a badass to a badass who isn't a fucking greedy prick, right? Like, yeah. or, or, like, less of one at least, right? Whereas, like, the problem here is, like, Cersei's power arc doesn't feel like it's, like, her discovering, like, an inner power. Like, it's, like, kind of tried to be framed that way, but it's, like, not clearly, like, a it's because I believe in myself type thing. It's because, like, like it's an external mechanism to drive that, even though it is an aspect of, like, you know, I need to accept my leadership yeah. type stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, normally that's part of the that's part of the character arc. Normally yeah. that is part of the... Um, you know, it is a metaphor, right? So, for instance, you know, the power arc metaphor for, um, uh, I don't know, what's a good example of this? Oh, uh, Aquaman is actually a good example of this. The power arc metaphor for Aquaman kind of realizing himself and getting those, um, he gets the big trident and he gets and he gets the special suit of armor, right? Is him, is him accepting the responsibility of King when he doesn't want to, right? That's his character arc. It is about, he starts in this place where, he, he doesn't want to be king. He doesn't want that responsibility. But he realizes that he is the right person for the job, that there are millions of lives on his line, right? And by accepting, you know, by accepting that responsibility, he now has the power to command the kaiju to go beat up his brother or whatever, right? Whereas before, and what typically happens is before he gets whipped right aquaman straight up loses to orm in their duel in the be- in, in the beginning but then he gets a power up at the end they duel again aquaman wins because he's gone through a character arc he's overcome his flaws he's a better guy now he's more powerful um and 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 like that's that's the thing playing out that no, none of none of that stuff happens with cersei cersei actually don't even think has a character arc um she's kind of fundamentally the same over right you know on it, a, on a it, it's not that she doesn't want leadership it's that like no one really wants to like recognize her as the leader right like everybody and i actually think that's okay i don't think every character has to have a character arc right sure um you know there are plenty of examples of you know movies or film or whatever where there is a character who is just rock solid the entire way through as the main guy right 
but they are supported by other guys who, you know, like, who do have the character. So, for instance, in, in Seven Samurai, Kambe is Kambe all the way through. And he's, you know, basically the protagonist and the leader of that of that group, right? He doesn't change over the course of Seven Samurai. He doesn't have an arc at all. But the arc is on, you know, the other characters. It's on Katsushiro, right? Like, realizing himself and becoming a true samurai. It's on... Um, Oh, God, how am I forgetting? Um, Kikucho, right, on accepting that he's not actually a samurai, that he's a pretender and he's a farmer, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't care, right? Like, other characters have the arc, and that's that's totally fine. And other characters definitely have the arc in, in Eternals, but Chloe Zhao, I'm sorry, not Chloe Zhao, um, but Cersei has the power arc without the character arc, like, underlining it. Does that make sense? It, it does. And you touched on something, which is, I think, Cersei might be a self-insert. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't want to I don't want to psychoanalyze that much. I don't know yeah. very much about Chloe Zhao yeah, no, most but, other directors that I obsess over, right? But maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, just, just for, like, to, to wind it back to the band stuff, right? Like, there's, like, four characters maybe competing for the Lancer. None of them really, like, like, there's, like, like, two of them drop out, right? Like, like, or Icarus is a bad, like, does a heel turn and Kamel yeah, like Gilgamesh. literally exits exits stage left. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Gilgamesh well, Gil, dies. Gil, Gil, Gilgamesh also, dies. Oh, I right? guess he's the big. Well, he's kind of the big guy. Right? Yeah, he's he's the big guy. Like him and Thena are both kind of both the big guy, right? Like mm-hmm. um, Ajax actually slides in slides in pretty well as the mentor who dies figure, right? But like, yep. Um, Obviously, Faustus is the tech guy. That makes plenty of sense. Yeah, well, fa- like the um, smart guy is like Faustus and Druig, right? Because like Druig's like yeah, I guess that's true. It's 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 weird because like like. And, you know, maybe this is the wrong framework to be analyzing it under, but like it feels mm. like things want to s- slot into these slots, but like just kind of like don't, right? If the, if that makes sense, um, yeah. Uh. I also think that it leaves certain characters kind of out to dry. Um, as much as I was praising whoever the fuck is the speedster, right? Because I think she just kind of comes in and does her job and is is sort of like yeah. whatever. She also doesn't really interact with anybody. She doesn't seem to have any relationships. Well, she she's got like a romance like, with Druig, which is like she, she's got yeah, but like it's not developed at all, right? Right. Um, and even Thena and Gilgamesh also don't really have any relationships. They have a relationship with each other, oh. but they don't really have a relationship with the rest of the group outside of maybe one line where Thena says that she wants to see if she could beat Icarus, right? If, like, the two of them... And I think that's, you know, that's kind of something, right? In, like, the Wonder Woman, you know, Superman, who's stronger sort of sense, right? Um, but uh, but it's just sort of, like, uh, compared to the bigger web, which is, you know, Icarus, uh, Kumail's character, uh, Fastos is Cersei is in there, Sprite is in there. All of those characters seem really kind of connected with one another and connected to the drama. Whereas uh, Druig, well, Druig is connected to that drama, but um, the the speedster is out of that drama and Gilgamesh and Thena are both out of that drama, which is a little bit, you know, off-putting. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, 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 it's got, it's got a weird structure. It doesn't, it doesn't come together super well. Yeah. Um, also, and this, this is a very, this is a solid, but it's kind of nitpicky. Um, but I think it's going to be less nitpicky as like time goes on with these movies. There's a point at which I don't believe that a world world ending event doesn't doesn't draw in other superheroes anymore, right? Like this is happening in the back of my head. There's like a where is you know where where is the Falcon? Where is like you know any of the surviving Black Panther? Yeah, where any, is, you know yeah. any of the surviving superheroes, right? Like any of them, right? Like you know Shang Chi happens like like 
through a portal, right? Like, you know, presumably, like, like Doctor Strange stuff happens, like, in a different dimension. This is happening on Earth, and there's a big world-ending event, and no one is showing up, like, strains my believability, right? Like, um, and I don't think they've got that many, like, they don't have a lot of effort left for, or, like, they don't have a lot of narrative excuses left for that um, without doing something kind of explicit, right? Like, you know, oh, the Eternals happened in a different universe. I'd buy that, right? But, like, explicitly doesn't. Explicitly happens in the main universe, right? Um, you know, Venom's happening in a different universe, uh, or like the skit or the stakes aren't that big, but this, this is a combination of the stakes are too big and it's happening on earth, right? Like in, like on, on earth prime, which is the wrong, you know, that's like a DC thing, right? Prime. Yeah. It's a DC thing. Yeah. Earth yeah. six. It's, it's happening on Pro Earth 616 is technically, right. Well, but like, that's technically the comic book. Right. Universe. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure the film universe has its own, but like it's yeah, happening it's on the five, seven, eight or something. Yeah. And it's happening on the primary mcu earth right like and it's it is a world-ending conflict i expect superheroes to show up like I, it doesn't make sense that superheroes aren't showing up um and it's visibly happening right like it's it's you know it's yeah it's a, it's not it's not like you know a, a like like theoretically the black widow thing right like it's a world-ending thing potentially or like the stakes are about but it's also like yeah but it's also like very invisible right yeah. it's this invisible russian helicarrier in the sky that she's invading or whatever right that seems like she's very intentionally off the grid this is between civil war and the avengers stuff or whatever right it se that seems like it could legitimately have happened and other people wouldn't have like known or been involved because it all just it was this clandestine you know spy shit right or even like shang chi right like so much of the climax of that movie happens in this alternate you know dimension of sorts right um and it's like, yeah, I understand why fucking Iron Man does not fly to the seal to contain the big monster or whatever, because that's just like not his jurisdiction, apparently, right? But this is all stuff that is very hollow, all right. This is all stuff. Are you hearing him on the mic? Yeah. This is all stuff that is hearing like very explicitly on planet Earth, right? Um, you know, out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, where you imagine that, yep, I would be really interested in, in the goings on of all that stuff if I was Doctor Strange or you know, any of the interesting events. Or like Ant-Man, right? Like, like, like th mm. this, this is a, this is a big enough and obviously enough, obviously world ending enough thing that it's, that it's a problem. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I also think that, um, you know, the, the state of the Marvel universe is still in quite a lot of flux. Right. Um, and there's kind of a question of what, you know, like what is coming next, what's driving things, right? There's no, I guess I would say there's no Thanos if, if, that makes sense. Something that I was hoping for, actually, out of this movie. This is my secret hope of the movie, that I was pinning some stuff on. I was like, oh, my God, this is Galactus. They're going to straight yeah. up do Galactus. I thought the post credit. I was like, the post credit scene is going to be either the spaceship, they fly out, and they find out that Galactus is heading to Earth. Or it's going to be Erishim goes to his brother Galactus as Galactus is murdering a civilization and goes, you need to go to planet Earth next. They just, like, declared war on the Celestials or something, right? I would have been all for that. That would have been sweet. Instead, it was more bathos bullshit, and I fucking hated it. I guess we could talk about the, the post-credit scene now. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the two post-credit scenes. One, yeah, because um, okay. I think one's more interesting than the other. The first one, I think, is That's less. true. Yeah, one of them I am 
on board with every day of the week. The other one I think well, is stupid and dumb. And I let's let's start with the stupid and dumb, which is I assume that Harry Styles is like Star yep. Fox, yeah. which is like with the, I, is, is I that, first of all, I don't even this. We have exhausted the the deep lore. I don't know who Star Fox is. Right. They call him the brother of Thanos. Okay, I guess it's like, like Thanos supposed to be an Eternal. Is that like the like? I do think that that is the implication. I think that Thanos is. Uh yeah, let, um, let's just let's Eros let's er, like Eros Eros makes more sense as an Eternal, right? Like, like because like that's like a god name, right? Like, oh my god, I just want to read this sentence created by Jim Starlin. This makes sense. Jim Starlin also created Thanos and first appearing in 1973's Invisible Invincible Iron Man number 55. Eros is Thanos's younger brother with good looks and the power of controlling people's emotions. And Eros is both the superhero. Called Star Fox and a massive fuckboy. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess I'm on board with that uh, to a certain extent. Um, is Thanos an Eternal? I guess. He... Wow. Yeah. Apparently, so Thanos was born on on Saturn's moon Titan as the son of Eternals Alars and Suisan, his brothers Eros of Titan. Thanos carries the deviant gene and as such shares the physical appearance of the Eternals cousin race. More like Bathlos. Yes, thank you. I, I know. Ah, oh, God, I know. Yeah, so I guess this seems to suggest that um, I, this seems to suggest that Thanos was an Eternal the whole time. That's fun. That's fine. Yeah. He shows up. He's very he's very lame and stupid. Uh, he makes dumb jokes. Wait, uh, Patton Oswalt makes more dumb jokes. I hate all of it. I fucking hate all of it. Is this is this implying that like the Thanos snaps that like the Thanos tells a story about like how his world died? Is that supposed to be like an emergence? Like was he like the kid of a like is he just like wrong or is he like I need to snap to keep Eternals from like to like kill enough people so Eternals don't emerge? Is that like what like? I don't know. They're gonna have to explain this at some point. It's gonna be bad. Like I don't think it's gonna be bad. um, (laughs) Like they could just not make him like like could just make like Eros not Thanos' brother, right? Like just like make Thanos not an Eternal. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll be like you know like microphone. Like oh no, I'm sorry to all of you that I'm sure is here are hearing this. Well, we can't hear it because I think you're broadcasting on your. Like, I can't hear it. Like, are, are you broadcasting on your headset mic? Oh, maybe. Well, no, I'm broadcasting on my good mic. Um, oh, he's bumping right. the He's bumping the, the thing because he's... Oh, he's you know what? It's Discord attention. probably filtering it out, which is why we have problems. Oh, you're reading. right. It probably is. Well, I probably apologize be- to everyone on the on the cast that is hearing these these bumps. I'm going to I'm gonna have to fix that. Maybe I'll just pull it from the... Uh, <laughs> from, from the anyway, um... Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think that there's cool stuff to do with Celestials and Eternals, right? Um in in a cosmic sense right there's there's definitely places to go which i was like galactus this is the perfect place to go right it's the perfect giant cosmic villain that was just like thanos that you could bring in to sort of motivate kind of the underpinnings of uh the marvel cinematic universe um but you know they don't do that they bring in eros this guy and i don't love it um (sighs) yeah yeah um, but the second post credit scene is uh, also who's the leprechaun supposed to be before we get into that? Like, do you, I, don't, okay. I don't fucking know. Never mind. I don't know any. Yeah. Like, like I said, we've exhausted uh, my lore. All right. 
Um, the second one is we find out that Kit Harrington is actually Jon Snow for real. Um, do you know anything about the Black Knight? Because I did not until I Googled it after. Oh, I do know about the Black Knight. Uh, the Black Knight, I think, is a cool character who is, by the way, related to this lore. Um, though he is only, he has mostly shown up. I, I don't know the Black Knight in and of himself very well, but he shows up in um, uh, in a in a offshoot superhero team all the time called the Defenders. Uh, which is sort of like this shitty counterpoint to the Avengers. But I have a soft spot in my heart for the Defenders. And I think the Defenders are a cool superhero team. Um, Mostly because... They were like the net... Like, like if the Netflix series had continued they would have been the defenders right like like they're like technically a little bit more street oh level. fuck i forgot about that yeah the, well so okay there's kind of di- there's different versions of the defenders one version like the original version is maybe like the most stacked lineup in any superhero team's history it is the silver surfer doctor strange the hulk and somebody else that i can't remember um and it's just like they are like cool characters but they are like cool characters who are um you know who are not like typically affiliated with with the avengers but then the defenders kind of come back and are part of um uh are part of sort of like a lower level you know uh thanks for reminding me we'll never get more netflix marvel shows yeah um they're they're just they're sort of a lower level uh superhero team than the than the The, avengers are right the person you are forgetting and how dare you buddy is namor oh my god you're right yeah it's namor yeah namor right and like these are like some of the heaviest hitters in the in the marvel cinematic universe so i don't think that there is any super you know there's any avengers lineup that is more stacked than the defenders lineup like Having the Hulk, Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange all on one team? God damn. And those are all happen to be some of my favorite characters, obviously, which is part of why I have a soft spot for the Defenders and for Black Knight, who shows up in the Defenders um uh in the Defenders comics. He's also he, I think he's also been an Avenger, right? Um but he has some cool shit. Uh he has a special sword called the Ebony Blade that that's related to Eternal stuff, right? Um so when I Googled now, it, like it is related to King Arthur which is related because it came up in, um, like, the Ebony Blade's, like, created by Merlin, I think, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, uh, Black Knight Marvel. I, I Googled this very quickly. Like, uh, Dane Whitman. Um, do do uh, Nathan Garrett is, so his uncle is a Black Knight who's, like, a bad guy. Um, oh, um. Do yeah, it it is a cursed blade. Is right. the, is the cool thing about the ebony blade, and that's like part of what makes the Black Knight, you know, cool. Uh, yeah, do do uh, it's kind of like an adamantium sword. It can like cut through anything. Right, no, it, it is it like, is strong. It can cut through vibranium, uh, which is whoa. the important thing, right? Like this is like you cut through anything. It was originally held by Sir Percival, um. Yeah, this is like this is like this goes back. This is this is this is definitely related to like, I don't know. I assume it's related to something something King Arthur because that came up in the um in the movie, right? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. Yeah. So there's just like I I have always liked the Black Knight. I think the the Black Knight is cool. He's a pretty minor character overall, but I'm happy that he's showed up. And there is another voice uh, off screen. You don't see him, but you hear Mahershala Ali, who obviously has a an incredibly recognizable voice we know that he's cast to be blade so 
the Black Knight and Blade are going to team up to fight some fucking vampires. I, I guess. I don't know. I want, I'm on board for that. I, I hope Wesley Snipes has a cameo in the Blade movie. I really want... Oh, I wonder if... Well, they've already done Stick. So, you know, so vampires are like a thing in the in the Marvel... Right. In like the Marvel Universe. And, um, and there's this order that fights them. Um, but, uh, but the order that fights them is related to like the hand and daredevil and stick uh who's like the guy that trained daredevil but they already did stick in the daredevil tv show right but that's just like but that is like the you can hand dis- you can discard that canon if you want right yeah that's true i mean they got the best guy ever for it um who god what, what the fuck is that guy's name hold on oh he's the no, blind no. guy right yeah he's the blind guy stick mc because he's played by just like the um I can't remember the actor's name. He's like a super great character actor that just like everybody fucking loves this guy. Uh, he is played by Scott Glenn, um, who you, I mean, like, I feel like he's just like very well known. Um, I'm trying to think what are like the famous things that Scott, Scott Glenn has been in that you might remember yeah i mean he there's some of this stuff like he's in the hunt for the red october he's in the silence of the lambs but like what would you know him from yeah i mean i think like i i, I hear that was he says hates the line but i want him to show up in the blade movie and say some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill which is like <laughs> <laughs> i feel like the iconic the iconic line from those movies oh but yeah, so I do hope that Blade is uh I mean I, is cool and yeah. uh, and you know, uh, you know, more fun than the th- last three Marvel movies have been. I, I am sure that you're gonna get like at some point you're gonna get a Deadpool cameo where Ryan Reynolds mouths off about being like having been like the, that character in Blade. But it'll work because it's Deadpool, right? Like yeah. um I wonder if we're like I guess we can get Josh Brolin as Cable since Thanos is dead, right? Like you could you could do that. Um, just, like yeah, I mean they they've done they've done double casting before in the MCU, so I think in this movie I think Cersei played someone in Captain Marvel, so that, you know that's yeah, not nothing. Yeah, right. Like the, what we need is for Terrence Howard to come back as somebody, right? Like <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah, or um. I want have Terrence Howard come back as uh, as Black Panther since um <laughs> since unfortunately uh uh what's his name passed away Chadwick Boseman yeah, yeah. Chad, Chadwick Boseman passed away um because like <sighs> like you have to you so you have to pass off that mantle at some point right mm. and like ideally you do it to another character but like I think like his well, I think sis- you're gonna do it to Shuri yeah but Shuri's she, actress she comes- is like anti-vax. Right, so like that ah, might have like a real okay. world, yeah, that might have like a real world uh, problem, right? Like, yeah, I mean maybe. I, I I just know that in the comics that she becomes the Black Panther for a while. Yeah. Um, oh, no, no, and so the, like, I wouldn't be surprised. If, that would you know. that's like the obvious way you go with it, right? It's yeah, just yeah. that like, you know, there's like real world con- con- concerns there. Um, yep. But I I will say I I think I am much more interested in the future of I guess I don't know Guardians three is cosmic stuff I'm just much more interested in the future of the uh, sort of down to earth Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe than I am in the cosmic stuff I also sort of felt this way like there was um you know what, there was the, I'm gonna say to Lou 
like to alleviate your sadness, we have a chance of getting back Purple Man because he does he didn't technically die, right? Like um David Tennant as Purple Man. I thought it was great. Mm -hmm. I love that. I also thought he was great. I thought that that was the show that was really good was yeah. Jessica Jones. I agree. Um, uh. But uh, but yeah, like I think I think I'm much more interested in like the low the low, the the low ground Marvel Cinematic Universe stuff, right? Like the Dark Avengers that we talked about last time with um or during Black Widow actually is when we talked about them. Um, where it seems like, uh, there is this, like, shadow, you know, group that is, that is, um, ad like, adopting in heroes to make the Dark Avengers, and, uh, and this stuff with Blade and Black Knight, whatever this ends up looking like. I actually sort of secretly think that they might appear in the Morbius movie for... Oh for, God! Yeah, like, you're you right. Morbius I did see the Morbius trailer. That, so that movie looks awful. It looks terrible, right? But one thing I'll note is that Michael Keaton was in that trailer with a very New York accent. Oh, saying like it's it's a Sony movie. He's definitely supposed to be. He's definitely supposed to be the 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 the. the yeah, I was like, I was like, holy fuck! Is he supposed to be that guy? Which would put Morbius in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which would make Morbius fighting Blade and Black Knight a fucking thing. That it would be a thing, yeah. and uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe that's a thing. I don't know. I think, I think it definitely is. I think that like Morbius is. I, I, I think that that's definitely supposed to be um, Vulture. That's the character's name. I think it's supposed oh, to be another superhero movie for Jared Leto to fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well, like rough. The whole thing is supposed to be like the line between villain and hero has been crossed or whatever, right? Like you could like give him this movie and then like have blade kill him right <laughs> like and have it not be the end of the world um yeah i mean i have no plans on seeing morbius because that trailer looks bad and i'm not interested in buddy, it at all buddy we're gonna have to but, see it we're gonna we're gonna see it we're gonna do a podcast oh, on it we do God. this to oh, ourselves now buddy if we haven't just if we haven't oh, gotten rid of this I, podcast, I, you know, I by think then. it might be. I think it's because so many of these Marvel movies kind of got scrunched. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it felt like um, because of the pandemic, right? I just like man, because we have Spider Man coming out yeah. in like three weeks or whatever. Like fucking the first week of December, I think, is when Spider Man No Way Home comes out, and it's just like going from. Black Widow to Shang Chi to Venom to this to Spider Man, and then we have to watch. Then we have to watch the uh, the uh, the what is it? The Clint Barton Christmas special. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there was the shows. Obviously, there was the Snyder Cut earlier this year, which was obviously you know great. I had a great time. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four didn't have a great time with that one, right? Yeah. It's just like there's a lot of there's a lot of superheroes yeah. coming out right now. Like honestly, the thing I am most excited about in the not too distant future is the fucking Matrix. Right. Well, Every time I see that trailer, I'm just like, mm, this shit looks so good. Yeah, we, we you know what we may have to like like be like we're putting off No Way Home. Um, because oh, that's true. Because yeah, I do want to do. I want to do Matrix December. I think that's like a great theme, and like I love those movies. So yeah, because we want to do. We yeah, if we want to do Matrix December, we have one, two, three, four weeks in December, and they each align to one of the movies, right? So it would be the um, the sixth, the thirteenth, and the twentieth, and I think it comes out the twenty fourth, twenty second. I think it's the twenty second. Yeah, it's normally the Wednesday. You do the Wednesday before Christmas. So it'll come out on that, the 22nd, and then we do it the following, the 27th, and then all four Matrix movies. By the way, 
Jimmy Elias, if you are listening to this podcast, because I love you, I made a promise to you like four years ago that if we ever did The Matrix on the podcast, you would come on to guest star. And I intend to hold true to that promise. So fucking like DM me on Twitter or something and we can figure out the logistics. Yeah, I, think, I think we also need to invite a uh, friend of the cast, Monik, on of The Unwise Yeah, we do Index. need to invite because we've talked about it with Monik too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I am, I am really jazzed for this. Uh, so what, you know, like I talked about going through the um, – going through the A to Z list of uh, of movies on HBO Max, and I got to the Matrix movies, and I was like, oh, oh I want to watch them. And I was like, no, I have to hold off. I have to, I have to like, deprive myself for a little bit longer until we get to, you know, until we get to November, or December, and we get to do Matrix December. Yeah, I mean, we get, you know, you can always watch the more than, like, though, like, a couple of years ago, like, a couple of years ago, we watched, I watched the Matrix, the first Matrix for some reason, um, and then, like, I got, like, I got, like, a real bad migraine, and I, like, laid in my recliner and watched the second two movies, which is a great way to pass the time when you're feeling terrible. Um, mm-hmm. And, like, those movies, like, I don't know. I, I, I am, I, uh, as we are, as Katrians as we are on this podcast, typically, <laughs> I, I am a defender of the second and third movies, although... I, I'm also a defender of well, I'm I'm a weird defender of the second and third movies. I think that it's actually becoming more and more common to defend the second and third movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it seems like that is a a more and more popular uh, position to I, hold. I think in like kind mm. of like the YouTube essay kind of like world, right? Like I think absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I think they are not the sequels that people wanted to action movie Matrix One, right? Mm. But they are like good sequels to like philosophical movie matrix one. I also think that they projected well, right. If that makes sense, which is to say that, um, they aged better because the zeitgeist shifted in their favor. If that makes sense. Right. You know, like, so for instance, I remember people really cringing hard at the idea of the big climactic moment of the matrix revolutions being one V one with agent Smith and Neo, but that, that's like a that's like an anime thing, right? And they have a very anime fight. They have like a Dragon Ball Z oh, fight. Oh, that right? fucking and I think Mr. Anderson, why do you persist? I love that fucking speech. Like I also love that fucking speech, and I also just love that whole fight. Scene. I honestly and um and I think that is because like you know the influences that made the matrix that were part of the the DNA of the matrix, right? Like anime and this kind of stuff. That stuff has only gotten more popular yeah. and people are more accustomed to it. And it, at the time in 2003, that was a much more sort of radical way to sort yeah. of structure the, your, your movie. The Wachowskis were definitely like, you know, there's the animatrix yeah. and like, as uh, a friend of the, the other half of the unwise index actually points out, like like points out, it's like, um, I think somebody else tweeted this, but it's like a bunch of people are going to find out that in an MMO that's now dead, Morpheus canonically dies, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if the, the yeah, game yeah. is still canon, but like, no, that's not dead. <laughs> yeah, like, and like, like, I don't know, I don't know if it's still canon for this movie, but like, that explains why it's not like why it's clearly like not Morpheus. That is Morpheus, right? Like in in the trailer. Um, yeah, um, I uh, I also think that uh, I also think that it, it gets a lot of slack in the way that the prequels do, right? Like, you know, so for instance, I think that the the popular conception of the prequels has also changed quite a lot in the, in the, in the last 15 years, right? You know, I mean, it's funny, like, 
I follow a couple of people who are younger than me by about 10 years, maybe like the, the like early 20s, right? And the way these guys talk about the prequels is the way I talk about the prequels, right? But it's clear they grew up with the prequels, not, you know, like I got them as a teenager. They got them as like really little kids, right? Yeah, and, and like we got the- truly grew up on, you know, the prequels and the Clone Wars or whatever. And the way that they talk about some of the later era, like Star Wars stuff, it is striking. And I, I just feel like that tsunami is coming, right? When, like, the Zoomers take the zeitgeist from the Millennials and we will be in, like, full everyone loves the prequels land, right? Like, yeah. Well, I mean, we, to be but fair. But I think the same thing is happening with, uh, or the same thing will happen to the Matrix, um, to the Matrix sequels. Because I also think that that wave of, like, kids have that same sort of evocative reaction to, like, I remember thinking... <clears throat> I, I, st- I still think this is us, right? Because M- the Matrix movies are, like, mature enough movies that, like, they're movies that, like, we grow up with in kind of, like, that later phase, right? Like, Sure, yeah. Okay, yeah. I just think that, like, if you were... T- you know, like, I was 14, 13 or 14 when, like, those movies came out, right? And I was relatively animated by them, right? You know, we, we were pretty Matrix-obsessed in that era or whatever. Um, but I think that if I'm eight... And I watched like the Battle of Zion with the with the mechs or whatever. I think that's the kind of shit that like sets my brain on fire, and I just go like absolutely ape shit for it. So, like I said, I very much think that the, those sequels are going to age really well, um, <clears throat> for in the same way that like the Star Wars prequels have aged pretty well. Yeah, no, I I think I agree. But I guess you. we'll talk about that. Yeah. Next month. This is a, this is a spoiler. <laughs> Yeah, that's a spoiler for Matrix Revolutions, that there's a big battle in Zion. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, what has been going on with your week? We haven't even talked about, like, yeah. week stuff, like video game stuff. Yeah, well, speaking of dystopian futures, I've mostly been playing uh, Cyberpunk. Um, Me too. I'm, like, 20 hours deep, actually, into Cyberpunk. Where have you gotten in the main story? What's, like, the easiest, like, spoiler-free way to, to discuss how far we've gotten in the main story? Okay, so on the one leg... I have, I went out into the Badlands and I met with, I, I like, uh, the engineer from Arasaka, I have. Okay, I did that quest. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm, I'm actually maybe ahead of that. I, I just got a call back from the character in the Badlands. Um, I, Okay, yeah. Because I also, I am in the process of setting up the, um, the activity for the parade in Japan. Okay, yeah, so I, I think I am one quest on both of those lines ahead of you, um, because I've actually been deviating from the main quest. I think when I first, um, you you were, I I first, you said you were going to mainline it, but then you yeah, I was mainlining it for a while, and then I got punted off of it um, because they made you wait, right? Like, there's one where it's like, you got to wait a day for this guy's phone call, and I was doing a bunch of side quests, and I eventually got to this point where I was like, ah, I have just, like, a couple more thousand, because I, I eventually decided that I wanted some, like, I, I wanted Mantis Blades, you know, the yeah, yeah. the the thing, and it's like, that's, like, 15,000 money. Um, so I went, and I was, like, doing stuff with... Um, uh, I was just like doing like side side gigs to rack up the cash to get the mantis blades before going back and continuing the main quest. So um, how far? Uh, how have you gotten on the third leg, which is with um, 
with the uh, the fixer or not the fixer, the, the the woman who contracts you out for the job in the first place. Uh, have you met I, Fingers? I'm, have I met Fingers? He's a ripper doc. I'm Jig Jig Street. Yeah, I'm past that actually. Okay. I'm way past that. I've done two or three quests past that actually. Okay, no, because like I am I am just past the waiting phase for that one because they all have waiting phases, right? Like okay, they yeah, all have yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. you have to do something, then you have to wait like a day for them to like get their shit together while you go do other stuff, uh, which is yeah, I think an interesting piece of game design. Um, I actually also like that as a piece of uh, as a piece of game design quite a lot. Um, so so yeah. So but I'm now more or less back to just mainlining the quest. I actually forcibly halted. There was one quest that ended in a position that I felt like it was asking me to make like a big decision for my character. And, um, and it gave me a very like loaded dialogue option that was like, do you accept this offer? And like, it was one that was like, yeah, I accept. No, I want to think about my options. And I was like, there are options. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I clicked no, so that if something else pops up later, I have a feeling that what I have what I have stumbled upon is some sort of like multiple choice gate, and this is just the first one that I've seen. Um, but that I might run yeah. into other factions or something along those lines. I, and, I've been um, wondering if like you pick one of these three routes to like resolve the plot. Um, and I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I was also wondering that exact same thing actually. Um, uh, so I have held off on that portion of it. Um, because I want to evaluate, you know, like I want to evaluate my options and I've been following through on the parade stuff most recently. Um, but I'm finding that, uh, that I am still not sinking into the world itself, though there are more details that I am taking advantage of and kind of, um, I, I, I have a higher opinion, I guess I would say of cyberpunk over the last week than I did last week. Um, which is just honestly a lot of little things, right? Like the advertisements, I'm paying a little bit more attention to sort of these like world building details, right? The advertisements around town, um, the messages that you'll, you know, like you'll read as part of these, these quests or whatever, getting to understand, um, the different, you know, kind of like factions and, and who they are and what they're doing. And there's just like a lot of like little stuff like that. That is, um, that's pretty cool and pretty interesting, right? Like one of the side quests that I did for money was, um, uh like jackie's funeral did you do that side yes i did that very early yeah 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 you know it's just like there's like a lot of detail in there that i just think is really neat um and i'm getting a little bit i'm getting a little bit more into that but i also just think that um on a raw systems level the stealth has impressed me enough that i think it's good at first i didn't think it was that great but now that i've kind of i've unlocked some different um quick hacks right and like some different breach stuff with with hacking and i feel like i have a lot of cool options when it comes to stealthing right for a long time it was mostly just i blind a guy i walk up behind him and and like knock him out but they but the more stealth missions i've come across the less that tactic works but there are other cool you know like things that i can do right like i can get an enemy to come to me i can um honestly the most useful quick hack i have is called ping which just shows you everyone on the network briefly so you can just see where everybody is right which is so insanely useful when you're in these really crowded locations you don't want anybody kind of like sneak sneaking up on you that kind of thing um so i've mostly like connected with it on a, as a stealth game at this point not quite to the level of something like you know deus ex human revolution which is maybe what i would say is the best stealth game 
I've maybe ever played. Maybe that. I'm not sure how much I believe that. But it's just the first one that like jumped to mind. But good enough that it's good. It's solid. You know, it it has me on that level of just kind of like doing stealth shit. Yeah. No. I um. I'm I'm doing like less stealth, but still like I do a lot of like crouch, walk up, shoot somebody in the head with a silence pistol, and they go down immediately, and then like do that like until somebody notices enough that like it's a problem. I have also gotten good at stealthing and shooting people in the face with silenced pistols, mm. so I understand that. I've also got, I've got like my my handguns treated like pretty checked out, so it's like you do like oh, really? well you do like a ton more. I've I've actually been lately focusing on the tech tree because like I like the crafting stuff. Um, but it's like, mm. like the big thing, and this is maybe like exploit level, but like I unlock the perk that lets you upgrade components to the other components usually at like a ten to one ratio. So I can like take like, you know, ten common components turn it into a green component, or like take a hundred common components, and then turn that into ten green components, and turn that into one blue components. You know, you obviously see. Whoa. The, um, and that's that is huge. I, yeah, I actually the reason I went for the mantis blades is because I couldn't keep my katana, um, like maxed. Like, I just kept fighting. It was really disheartening. I kept picking up, like, stupid fucking, like, you, you, like white knives off of guys that I was killing, right? And I had a higher DPS in my fucking katana. I was like, God damn, this sucks, dude. Yeah, like, no, I <clears throat> I agree that that's a problem. I think that, like, I have found better ways to keep to keep up with it. But, like, also, like, like part, part of the thing there that I was going to say is that, like, um, doing those combinations get you experience. Especially crafting mm. experience. So, like, I have, like, bumped my crafting level by, like, three just by, like, upgrading components into other components, which, I don't know. Not, like, I don't know. Like, I've, I've, I have been having a lot of fun with, like, some of, like, the more flight side missions. Like, in the process of driving around and getting all the tarot cards, I, like, went a bunch of different places, right? Like, Pacifica's a really cool, like, it's, like, it's, like, a fucking war zone, right? Like, yeah. um, uh, or, like, something I discovered is that Fingers, who I who I, like I hate as a character, has the best leg upgrades for as a Ripper Doc. Um, yeah, most of the Ripper Docs have something <coughs> that is like a special. I, I visited a bunch of them at this point, but yeah. they, there is always one that um, is uh, like there's always one category of theirs where they're like super specialized at it. Yeah, like the one in Pacifica has the best. Um, I I did the explosive arms, which um, don't always work 100, percent but they're still cool. Um, like that, like like the games pretty glitchy and um like there's some like weird oh yeah i ran into some major i ran into some major glitches honestly which was very frustrating um i had a glitch that like i had to go back to an old save from like an hour previous and i was like this is some very basic quest ai and it's bullshit yeah i i haven't had anything quite that bad but like it's it hasn't been great Um, yeah it was just it was one of those things where it was on a mission i was stealthing um where I I found a piece of a later quest and I completed a later quest objective before I had it as a real quest objective, right? Just because I was exploring the map. And then I triggered that quest objective and the thing was dead. And I just had no way to progress because like I had already completed that thing, but like the quest itself was essentially broken on that. And I was just like, this is fucking awful. How did no one find this? Right. Yeah, Cause like, they're usually pretty good about that. Like, yeah. I mean, so it's not quite so, so straightforward as I get to the next quest objective and it says, you know, kill this person, but I've already killed that person. So it's just forever unfulfilled. It is actually that there are coded doors all around the map that are opening and closing at certain times. Um, and for some reason, 
the fact that I killed this person has closed all of the doors that would otherwise be like open for me to progress through. So, yep. yeah. But I, I do find some of the, some of the side gigs to be variously interesting. Like some of them are like kind of boring, but like I've had a couple of good moments. Like um, there's one, like the, like, have you done any of the Del like Delamain or like the cabs are like, yeah, going yeah. I love those. I did all of those. Uh, I, we, you know, we were waiting to put together a group for, um, for mythics. And so I was just like streaming, I was showing them and I did all of those missions back to back to back. They were pretty fun. I think, I think most, so I think they're mostly pretty good. And it, like, there's like this, like a line though, right? Like, like one of the cabs is voiced, is, is voiced by GLaDOS essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was neat. And I thought this was, this is a great reference until she said the cake is a lot like, you know, she said the cake line, there's no more cake, right? It's like, okay, then now you've gone from like cool reference to cringe. Stop it. Um, uh, but you know, it, yeah, it's, but like, it's. There's, there's some good stuff in there too. Like there's like uh like a basically a murder mystery about who killed the mayor of Night City, um, and like it's it's left very unresolved. Oh, really? Yeah, like it's you will I think I think it's one that will get you get a call from someone named Elizabeth Perales and she. I think I have that in my inventory. Yeah. I just haven't haven't done that yet. So the ones that I've done is that like one's a pretty good ones. Um, I did Jackie's funeral. I did. Um, That's also a spoiler, but uh, I can't stop you from. Oh. Oh, you're right. That is a bit of a spoiler. Fuck. I'm so sorry, everyone. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. Well, whatever. Um, and uh, I've just I've done I've done like a, a like a number of other ones that are like relatively minor. I've done a couple of like the gigs, like the true true, like very side quests. I actually like those quite a lot, mostly because they seem to be um, the most sort of like expressive gameplay wise. Like there are some where I just like run and gun and I come in blasting. Um, and there are some that are like, like any of the ones that are like, steal this thing. I always do those as secretly as possible. I don't want anybody to know. Right. And it's almost like a role play decision at that point. Right. But when it's like killing the guy missions, I just like get off my motorcycle, whip out my katana slash mantis blades and just start going ham. Though I will say, uh, one, one thing that I have figured out is that the driving is not so bad. If you have a motorcycle It's bad in the cars, it is okay on the motorcycles because on the motorcycles, you can thread a lot of the needles that you would otherwise like super crash into. Yeah. No, so <clears throat> this is, this is something that has been bothering me kind of unreasonably about the driving specifically is cars m regularly make left turns from the right lane. Like, they just, like, make the wrong turn. Like, it's just, like, it's such a dumb thing, but it's, like, like, you know, otherwise it's fine, but it's, like, I'm, like, in the left lane, and I'm going straight across the intersection, and then, like, the, like, and also because of the way the lights change for you, like, the cars don't always behave, and, like, I've gotten, like, sideswiped because, like, the car is, like, doing its thing it's supposed to, but, like, I, I theoretically have the right, it's, like, you have these traffic rules, and if they don't actually follow them, and it's bothering me, cyberpunk, but it's, like, it's, it's a little thing, but, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with you, though. The motorcycles make it much better. Um, uh, what else? So I think some of the stuff, like, like I'm starting to get tired of the gigs just because they are, like, they are so samey. Um, but I agree with you. Um, but I do like playing them as they come, right? Like, I screwed up one of those missions that you're talking, like, the uh, stealth missions. Like, it's when they, like, attach, like, a, a bug to a car, right? And I'm, like... I, I, like, managed to find a way in that's stealthy. I'm like, okay. And I managed to, like, set an escape route. And then, like, 
I sneak up and then like I get caught as him playing skip on the car. I'm like, fuck it. And I just like run away. And it's like, and it's like I'm like hightailing it out of there as people are chasing me and shooting me. And like I manage to get away. I'm like, okay, that's a very cool moment, right? And like I get the calls like, you're supposed to fucking keep it quiet. Hopefully it doesn't <laughs> work out. And then I get paid out, right? Um, yeah. I was like, okay, this this is like, you know, this is like I do not care enough about being optimal that like, you know, like it it played out fine, right? So it's good. Yeah. It's good. Um, but it's, it's, I can't, like, I think there's some balance problems, like, in, in, did you, did you go and, like, um, raid the cave? Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wiped on that fight a bunch of times. Me too. Me too. I had to, I had to take a very specific path. This is just, like, a melee thing where, like I said before, like, I was really just no thoughts, head empty. It's just run at guy. Mash attack like light attack or whatever i don't even think i had the mantis blades at this point um the mantis blades make it a little bit easier because you you lit literally jump um like if you target someone with a strong attack you will just like leap 20 feet you know across the room to get them or whatever um and i just could not brute force that one and um and i got to this point where i basically had to one like go my go kind of piece by piece by piece and i had to huck grenades like out a window essentially to kill this big concentration of guys in the center because i could just never get two of those guys in the center without dying because there was just so many of them and there was so much damage density so i was basically just clearing around you know the the circle staying out of line of sight of their guns um and hucking grenades over the wall until they all died no, <laughs> like, i i didn't get quite that bad but like some the thing i realized is that like when they huck the poison grenades, sometimes your the car will detonate the grenade for you and it won't kill you. But like, the poison grenades do way too much damage. Like you can't like it's <laughs> like hard to like like you have to literally stand still and just chug, you know, max docs to to out heal it, which is not great. Um, it's not great. Um, but it's it's been fun. I I have I have a a cowboy hat. Like I found like I saw like a hatch like in the middle of like like you know just like, kind of like a like a, a, a street, like field of like electronic stuff in like the middle sure. of like a city block. I'm like, that's neat. And I walk over and there's like legendary like hacker boots in it. They don't really do anything, but they, you know, they're, they're orange and they have a unique model. So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Right. Like, um, it is a very cool world. There's just like, you can tell some things are half baked. Like I, yeah. I have had a lot of moments where I'm like, this was probably supposed to be something bigger and they didn't have the time. Um, there's a lot of doors that are like locked that I assume that are never going to be unlocked just because like this makes no sense, which is fine. Right. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm disappointed by the verticality of the map. I, I sort of wish that I had more way to move into the buildings because the rules for moving in and out of buildings are very like, you know, on, in something like GTA, it makes sense because you almost never go into buildings in GTA. It's almost all essentially outdoor. So the, the buildings are essentially just gigantic blocks that you never ever interact with right um versus um in cyberpunk you're going into these buildings all the time right um and you see notifications in these buildings you know like all the time but so much of that is sort of like superficial that it actually kind of bothers me i guess in a way um because some buildings you really can just walk up and go deep into and there's apartments in each of the individual apartments or whatever um and most are not like that. And that, like, dissonance, I think, is kind of sucks. Yeah, that's fair enough. Have you been doing anything else with your week that you want to talk about? 
Whoa, not really. You know, Hearthstone Mercenaries doing more, doing more WoW plus 20s. Um, same, same old, same yep. old, I guess. We downed Kel'Thuzad. Um, oh, we downed Kel'Thuzad, which is great. I love that fight. Uh, I'm sure we'll do we'll do a, a full episode on Castle Nathrian when we get Yeah, we'll, we'll do it curve. next week because we're going to definitely down Sylvanas definitely, Yeah, too. definitely down <laughs> Sylvanas in one week. Honestly, you know, maybe, right? Like, um, I thought we were pretty good. I, like... You know, one of the things I remember feeling about Denathrius is we got to Denathrius and that first phase just, like, whipped us so fucking hard that I was just like, wow, that's hard. That sucks, right? Um, the Sylvanas' first phase doesn't feel like that to me. Sylvanas' first phase feels pretty, pretty, you know, like like doable there's not a lot of uh there's not a lot of like room for fucking up right and it's just a matter of getting five ten however many pulls it takes to kind of get that down pat um, um the no, second phase no though, offense to the other people in the raid but that was the thursday group i feel like we might have more troubles with the with the full tuesday group you know that's true that's 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 fair that's tough uh you know <laughs> i'm gonna say this for, for lou's benefit healers adjust um yeah <laughs> yeah i mean you know one of the things is just like learning to how to dodge those oh. like the sylvanas patterns or whatever i got hit by so many of those oh yeah me. First just because she it seems like she casts one right at her feet every time and if you're close in you it's hard out. to see right like and, and this is what i mean by like no offense but like you and i were having trouble with it and we're generally pretty good about like doing the mechanic i'm, I'm a little bit worse about it because I, I try too hard to like get more dps in um but uh because <laughs> i'm, I'm yeah. constantly trying to one up you with like 10 less eye levels um <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you Lou. um uh but like i don't know I, I think it's gonna be hard for like the whole raid to adjust you frankly um i think well, i yeah. think we'll get there but i think it might take us a little bit more than a week um that's fair okay yeah i mean that's fair i, w I would expect even with the thursday group it's gonna take it's gonna take more than a week but that seems normal yeah. to me right? oh yeah like, you know you want the aotc fight to be uh uh to be like longer more drawn out but i'm definitely very glad that we killed Kel'Thuzad. Oh, I yeah. like i said i really love that Kel'Thuzad fight like i think you know somebody asked on red the other day is like what is your favorite um like what are your favorite raid fights or maybe it wasn't a raid maybe it was on a discord that i'm in and the thing that I said was, I, I like fights that are evocative, right? Um, so I'm reminded of Gul'dan in Legion, for instance, um, and also, um, uh, you know, like, Kel'Thuzad is a fight I like because it's really evocative of, like, I do legitimately feel like I'm, like, that is a fight against a lich, right? He's dying, he's coming back, he's summoning undead guys, you know, he's using frost magic, right? Like, that just feels like it is a, it is a, um... I don't know. It's just like it's like the quintessential lich fight in the way that, you know, maybe some fights are like the quintessential dragon fight. Right. Um, or something kind of along those those sorts of lines. Those are those are the fights that I that I like connect to the most, I guess. And so um, I just love I just love doing Kel'Thuzad. I think Kel'Thuzad is, is a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I like Kel'Thuzad and uh, Fate Scribe as well, just because um Oh yeah, Fate Scribe. I also enjoy Fate Scribe. I enjoy Fate Scribe though a little bit from like the you can really feel ca yourself carrying the raid sometimes, or not carrying the raid, but like you, you, because I the, am the doing the mechanic. Are and we are yeah, yeah, we are succeeding. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like you do the mechanic and you lock it and you're like, yeah, I like we, we're not wiping because I did the thing and I did it so good, like that kind of thing. Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, I also like them because I get to run Touch of Death. Um, on both those fights, they're very ad heavy, 
I get to do this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. No, yeah. it's. I tend to do really good DPS on uh, on Fate Scribe, actually, because those ads line up with Plate really well. Oh, yeah. to, to Home Madness, yes, I will agree with you, Lou. Like that, like, like, I it is a little bit easier on me as a monk, but like doing that in a ring just is like fucking like. Oh yeah, the the very tightest ring. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first time we did Fate Scribe, we did it. They nerfed the timer on Fate Scribe by a little bit. It used to be a little bit tighter. I don't think by that much, maybe by like five or ten seconds or whatever. But um, the first time we I did that was before the nerfs, and like the timing was so tight. We wiped constantly to just like not getting the rings in on time, which is why some of like the ways that I was suggesting we change like the strategy was just like you know like we were like basically counting milliseconds we found that reading out the names of people like that took too long right we had to get it to a point where we were just naming the people to the specific things and we couldn't even say baron one billamong two you know whatever three because it's just we just didn't have enough time so it was literally just baron billamong you know whatever like down down the line just because you had to get it out that fast and people had to respond that fast to everything that was uh everything that was going which was like to be honest maybe awesome and cool out of strategic level i think it's kind of nuts that the game was that well tuned to kind of like push us to that level because everything else about the fight was fine you know i don't actually think that fight cares about dps all that much it doesn't um but um but yeah it's that is a nuts fight <laughs> um yeah, no, it's it's, but it is fun. It is fun. Um, but yeah, um, what else? We're we're way over time, so maybe I'll we're way over time. Uh, yeah, yeah so. <laughs> I can just leave it there. Um, I'll talk about the books I've been reading next week. Um, but uh, uh, but uh, if you want to tell us what you thought about, uh, think about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, including the Eternals and. Uh, World of Warcraft and Cyberpunk. You can reach us at snoopsplaygames at gmail.com or podcasts at snoopsplaygames.com. You can follow twitch.tv slash snoopsplaygames where these podcasts go out live and you can see Buddy's Cat Orion. Um, and uh, you can leave us a, a rating and a review on iTunes. Um, since they gave us a shout out, I'll give them a shout out back. Go listen to our friends uh, at Comedy Club, the Comedy Club podcast, where our raid mate Savadar co hosts with a guy named Hunter, who I don't know. Um, but, you know, <laughs> they're, they're a similar podcast to us, except they focus on current events in the gaming industry um, rather yep. than like uh, topics. So there's that. Buddy, you have anything you want to promote? I have nothing. Am I? Do I have anything I want to promote? I'm definitely streaming on Friday. I don't remember what I'm doing for Buddy Gets Good. I also think I'm going to stream on Thursday too. There's a there's an indie game coming out called Punk Wars that I've been looking at, which is a um, a four X uh, a four X game where the different factions are different versions of like it's like steampunk, Cyber diesel punk. punk, you know, like the different oh, <laughs> those are nice. the different factions, which I think is cool. That I is think that's cool. a sweet idea. So I've been thinking about doing a Buddy Gets Good guest stream to um to to hit that um but uh but otherwise i have nothing else i'm looking to promote yeah do you remember we had this like long argument about whether War world of warcraft was steampunk or diesel punk or like somebody said it was steampunk and i was like no it's not because they've got combustion engines and there was a long gfc argument about this this was like this is when i was out in san francisco this is like probably that, that's like the golden age of dumb yeah. gfc arguments <laughs> this is like six or seven years ago so like i wonder what what was my position do you remember my position i don't remember that? i think i think charles is the one that primarily told me i was wrong that it was steampunk because there was yeah i don't think i i don't think i was on the it's steampunk i do kind of agree wow it's diesel punk they have a lot of tra they have trains yeah. um 
they have cars you know like the goblins they're all yep. are all cars they have tanks which were presumably using a yeah, combustion I mean, tra trains are steampunk. Trains are pretty classic steampunk because they're like they're like steam engines, right? Like, it depends on how. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't know what the train I, I, Yeah, I, I think of the re really what I'm getting at is the Iron Horde does not strike me as a steam entity. That is yeah. a diesel entity. Right? Yes, absolutely. Um, this you literally collect diesel on the fucking map. This might. I wonder what my position was at the time. This also might have been before the Iron Horde, if I'm thinking about. That's it. That's true. It might have been Warlords of Draenor was at 2014. You were, yeah, you were yeah, in, yeah. Uh, you were in San Francisco. Yeah, that would have been during the Mists of Pandaria. Days. I do remember arguing though that like one of the resources in Warcraft One, I think, was oil. Um, Warcraft Two, yeah, there was oil, oil platforms and. Uh, yeah. This might have been around the time that that fucking um. What's his name? Uh, the guy, the, the uh, uh, history of Warcraft. Uh, Khadgar is a sheet wizard. Like he, he mentions oil yeah. in, in, in that in that video because he starts with the Warcraft games. But yes, all right. I've drawn this out too much. Um, okay. Uh, if you want to email us about what you think about steampunk or dieselpunk, you can email us too <laughs> at the address. But with that, I'm going to say until next time, your listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>